Welcome to Rams All Access. Week number six is upon us. Uh, before we start, I am Kirk Morrison in for JB Long alongside DeMarco Farr, Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Say and, that again. Yeah, Super Bowl champion of the Rams. Never gets DeMarco old. Farr. And before we, I guess, start ahead and go ahead to week number six, let's sort of recap week number five for the Rams. Uh, they go up to Seattle. They mm-hmm. win the game 33-31. So many bright spots. There were some spots that still have room for improvement, but just kind of now as you digested that game in Seattle, uh, what is your kind of final takeaways before we turn the page? I loved it. I I did. Uh, As a football fan, it was great. Um, As a guy that covers Rams games, I mean, it was gritty. It was gutty. It it wasn't a blowout win. Uh, It was a, a game where they had to come from behind and take a victory in Seattle. That's tough to do up there. Yeah. And then to think how they did it um, and the scenario around the last couple of plays where you send the punt team out, Pete Carroll calls timeout, then you send the offense back out, and then you run a sneak and break them you know, and, and get the game and, and take the game. I thought, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing by the players. I thought it was great by the coaching staff. It was, it was one of those great wins. Like losing teams that have a victory like that, will turn their entire season around. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Victories absolutely. like that. Now imagine what that does to a pretty good team to begin with. Well, my question for you is, and I haven't had a chance to ask you this question, was the call by Sean McVay to go for more of a confidence within the offense or more of a respect of the guy wearing number three for Seattle with a minute and 39 seconds left, no timeouts, just needing to get into field goal range. If you can replace respect with a healthy dose of fear, absolutely, <laughs> of Russell Wilson. I was right. thinking the same thing. Okay, uh, If you give the ball back to Russell Wilson or the yes. Seahawks offense in that environment right. where anything could happen, a punt return, <laughs> uh, they, they break a tackle, all you need is a field goal to win. Right. Yeah, they and you've they, got. Yeah, they didn't need a touchdown. They just needed to get in field goal range with a guy who I played with, Sebastian yeah. Janikowski, to a point where you're saying once you cross the 50 yard line, we feel like we're in range, and they they wouldn't have needed that that many yards no to get across the 50. And back in the day, back in the day, back in the day right. when Seabass was a young man, <laughs> kind of like John Daly, I swear right. if you bet him that. You had to kick a field goal from the length of the field, 100 yards. I bet he'd get close. Right. The guy's got a cannon, so I thought that was the right choice. <laughs> I, I did see him attempt a 76-yarder. See what I mean? No, right. No, really, he did attempt a 76-yarder. It was the last game that Lane Kiffin was the coach in Oakland. Was so it short? Or? It was barely short. That's what I'm saying. Barely see? short. Right. It was. It had the distance almost. So in that situation, <laughs> right. I mean, if you're Sean McVay, if you're the Rams, you want to make sure that you die by your own hand. This right. is your last opportunity to control this game, so to speak. So go for it. Look in the eyes of your teammates, of your players, like you said. They wanted to go. He felt confident. They got it. That was big. Yeah, I think also one of the bigger things about the game uh, to me was not only that decision at the end to go for it on fourth down, but I thought it was also a moment in which Jared Goff kind of took the next step as the quarterback of this football team to mm-hmm. put the ball in your quarterback's hands. Now, had he handed it off to Ty Gurley, wouldn't have been mad at that. But he kept it in the hands of the quarterback, who so many people are saying, it's the system, it's the system. People forget that Jared Goff is 6'4", 220, 225 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And he used all 225 and actually got the first down pretty easily. But I, but for McVay to put the ball and keep it in Jared Goff's hands, that decision, what did you think of it in terms of, for Jared Goff moving well, forward. Well, smart. I mean, strange things do happen uh, in football. If right. you turn around and try to hand it off, you could fall. Uh, th- there could be 
something that happens with the handoff and right. the timing's off and then the running back gets trapped for a loss instead of the gain. So, I mean, the smartest play, the easiest way to pick it up is the quarterback sneak. Um, and like you said, Jared Goff is, he's getting bigger. He's yes, a big guy. He's a big guy. <laughs> but the block that Rob Havenstein made on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It crushed them. And this is funny. <laughs> Think about this. It is the ascent of Jared Goff and it's also the descent of that Seattle defense. I don't know if you would have done that or could have right. done that a couple of years ago. I agree. Yeah, that would have been tough with yes. those guys. With, with the, my, Michael Bennett and with that Cliff other Averill, crew that's not there. And, Tia Rubin. <laughs> and have you watched that last play? Yes. I, I, I'd never second guess coaching, but I have to wonder what the heck were they thinking with those little light in the pants linebackers right. in a sneak situation? Yes. In the A-gaps. Yes. That's where you put your hogs, yes. not the little guys. The big dogs. Right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. You yeah. know. Yeah. I, I just saw just saw uh, a, a a guy's back said Mingo and he was on the ground. Yeah, like literally just moved back. Barkevius Mingo, one of the lightest linebackers in the league. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> like it, it, Barkevius Mingo in like football terms means light in the pants. When you translate out <laughs> yeah. Mingo, that means light in pants. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, still still a bunch to get to in terms of this game, and I know we've got a uh, you know throughout the show because there's still some areas of concern for this Rams team. Yes, you're five and zero, but there are still some things that need to be improved yeah. going forward. Where's your guy is what I want to know. You're running back up there because yeah. uh, they pounded the Rams running the football. Yes. But I thought it would be a three-headed monster, not just two. Where's Penny? Yeah, Rashad Penny. Yeah. Uh, the first-round pick of the of the Seahawks this year, guy who snuck in uh, to the first to round. The first round. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are saying, what's the problem? Now, there's been reports that he's been slow due to the hand injury. He had a oh, broken hand. And okay. He missed about a, you know, a, a significant amount of time during training camp, and he's now getting that confidence back. But you know how it is in this league. It's you go with the hot hand. Right now it's Carson who's got the hot hand, and Mike Davis had some carries. Woo! And then you throw in Tyler Lockett, who the yeah. Rams didn't have an answer for defensively well, they in did. terms of his speed. Uh, they they just... had an answer. They just got some new questions thrown at them. <laughs> like, yes. like, you know you're not supposed to get beat with your eyes as a corner. Correct. He knows that. But, Marcus Peters knows that. You know what? That that that's part of what I do want to dive into yeah. with you about this game because I I see something. I, I really do, Demarco. I see something with this within this defense, and no one's talking enough about it. You play the game. I play the game, and I feel there's a comfort factor defensively. Uh-oh. Defensively, there's a comfort factor, but the comfort factor kind of comes with what you have on the other side of the ball, meaning that. You've got guys who can wake up out of bed, yawn, do a little stretching. Hey, let's go put up 30 points. That doesn't happen in the National Football League consistently, but it gives a defense opportunity to feel like, you know what, we can make a couple opportunities. We we can go out and be aggressive. Yeah. Where in times you can't. That's something I do want to dive in with. Only rich people can make it rain. (laughs) But yeah, Marcus Peters, there are other guys too, because we want to talk about is Marcus Peters fully healthy? Um, how is he doing in terms of, uh, you know, getting back from the calf injury that we saw a couple, um, you know, weeks ago, right before the Minnesota game? Kirk Morrison in for JB Long. He's DeMarco Farr. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access Week 6. Kirk Morrison in for JB along with DeMarco Farr. And look, let's jump right into kind of what I teased last week. I don't segment. jump anymore, Kirk. Yeah, we got to jump. Yeah. We're stretch it I out. can fall into something. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's fall into, I guess, the fourth down play by Jared Goff as a Rams go for it last week. They convert on it. But to me, it's more about Jared Goff and his play over the first five games of the season uh he seems to keep getting better and better and even in a game in which 
you know, he threw two interceptions last week. You would have said, oh, wow, um, Jared Goff is having a bad game. His two receivers are out, and Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, they're out uh, with concussions. How is he going to finish this game? How is he going to, you know, prove to everyone that he's not a system quarterback? So I feel like this is something that's kind of been on him. And as the Rams keep winning, that label is starting to be pushed away. But you watch Derek Goff, especially from that sideline view. You saw him throw a couple interceptions, but was able to rebound. What more did you see from him? Uh, just the leadership, you know, just the way the, he interacts with Sean McVay and, right. and vice versa, the way they talk, um, the calls that McVay makes, we'll never know. We're not right. out there. We're not in Jared Goff's helmet. But you can tell at the end of the play where the ball should have gone and where the ball did go and how that affected the play call. And what and just that relationship, right. it's growing. You know, and, instead of just teacher-student where teachers say student-do, student <laughs> actually has questions. Okay. And great questions and great input. And you can start to see that on the offense or in the offense or the way he moves around in the pocket. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a guy maturing at that position. Yeah. And one of the th- biggest things, I think you mentioned maturing, but it's the decision making that I see from him. Yeah. He's not, if it's not there, he doesn't feel like he has to make that attempt. You know what I mean? There's a couple plays where I think maybe he could force it in there, but he felt that he had a good read on it. And I felt that Seattle was all over it in a couple sense, in a couple areas. But to me, what his pocket presence has just taken off again this year. Oh, like, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and that's, and, yeah. And, and is that a product of Jared just having a feel or is he, more confident in his offensive line this year because I'll go back a couple games. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Minnesota game, there was a sack by Donnell Hunter, I remember, and I said, that's on Jared. Not in a bad way, but that's on Jared that he's got so much confidence in his brother to the left, in Andrew Whitworth, that he's like, oh, I got this. And well, he's got I mean, real, and he's got give Hunter realize, some credit. He no, no, beat Whit. He beat Whit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think also, too, that Jared has to feel that, even though that Whit is really kind of man in that side. Yeah. Down, He's got to feel that and step up a little bit. But is it a product of, a product of Jared Goff being so confident in his offensive line, or is it just now his his, his pocket presence is just much better in year two under McVay? Well, I, th- I think it's it's a product of everything you said. Um, number one, I think he's really in tune with his offensive line. Right, he really is, and I I think he's he's involved in sacks allowed, the yes. stuff that go against his O line that go against. Good offense. So he understands. And I, I love that you brought up his decision-making. When it's right. not there, he can dead the ball. Or he can take off and run. Yes. And it's a fast decision. Some quarterbacks <laughs> will struggle with that. I think Jameis Winston gets caught in that moment yes, where he doesn't know what to do. And he'll make the wrong choice instead of the right one. But Jared Goff is making those quick right choices either to the positive or just getting rid of the football that at least keep you on the field or keep you from bad plays. Now... There, there are still some moments where he throws a dangerous ball, right? You know, and, and some of those were on those those quick counts uh, around the red zone where he's trying to quickly throw it in there, where the ball gets tipped, bounces up, and it gets picked off. Right. I mean, I think that might be the 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 last hurdle of Jared Goff transforming into a great quarterback. He's already a Pro Bowl quarterback, but he's on his way to being great. But for the most part, I, I I think he is maturing into one of those guys that you call a franchise quarterback. Yeah, his, his numbers, again, for people who don't know, uh, 23 of 32, 321 in the air, one touchdown, the two interceptions. But for, uh, another thing that I'm starting to see with Jared is his accuracy. 
You know, I think a lot of people don't talk enough about how accurate of a quarterback he is. He came into last week's game completing, you know, close to oh, over 70% of his passes. Clearly, you season. don't listen to the broadcast. What do you mean? Because that's all we talk about no, no, is his I'm accuracy. About the, the people on the, the, I'm talking the people on the outside. I'm just messing around. Yeah, yeah go ahead. The people yeah. on the outside because yeah, they yeah. just they just see bombs away. They just see the, the, the you know, the Minnesota game really did, I think, Jared nationally a lot of favors because yeah. they saw him flying the ball around. You're like, wow, that Jared – but the accuracy in which he's throwing, not just those deep passes, it's the intermediate routes. It's, it's the it's it's the under where he's stuff. putting it's, it and when. I, I think yeah. that that at fifteen yard in, I mean, just looking at plays when they when you play them in your mind, a nice little six or five or six yard quick slant or in route by Robert Woods, that ball's right there for a catch and run element. Mm-hmm. You know where we've seen quarterbacks they throw it and the guy catches it and he falls down. Where Jared is putting the ball right in front of where his guys go get it. He's, he's throwing guys open now, which I thought True. last year didn't do a, enough of that. And obviously the year, year one, he had no idea. He was just a deer in headlights. And now I think with this, within this offense, you're starting to see him throw more guys open. And that's one of the reasons why you see so many catch and run elements. Yeah. I just, I watch Kurt Warner do it. I watch Mike Martz mm. and Dick Vermeil teach it. And you're, you're throwing to where the guy's going to be, not where he is. Right. And that's that's tough for some guys to grasp. Some quarterbacks just can't do it, uh, so they wind up throwing it, you know, to an area. It's behind the guy. It's it's not in line. It's not on time. So you may or may not catch it. But even if you do, you don't have you don't have enough room to do anything with it. But with this offense, the way he's being taught and the trust he has in his guys, he can throw to a spot. That Cooper Cup touchdown, like yes. even Sean McVay said it. He <laughs> says, "I thought he was throwing it away." That's the head coach, right? But Jared Goff threw it to where Cooper Cup was going to be, not where he was, the only spot where he can catch it. So, I mean, that's that's a guy that's just playing with tremendous confidence in yeah. the receivers and his offensive line and his coaching staff. Yeah, and I think still um, you're starting to see him spread the ball around even more because it was just the receivers, it was just to the running backs. And now when you get the tight ends involved who had five catches last week, it's only going to make defenses have to really choose now, okay, do we stick to just guarding the wide receivers? Because I thought last week, even though I, I don't want to call it a, a a sort of a positive, because you never want to call positive things, but you take situations away from the game where, hey, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, those guys are out. How does Jared Goff, how does he handle that? How does he handle that adverse situation? I thought he handled it well and that yeah. he spread the ball around and it goes back to the depth part of because Katero to Hodge comes in and boom. He played grabs his it, butt know, off. Played his yeah. butt off. I mean, that one catch was for 14 yards, but it was on a crucial drive, and that's a and that's a play that you're leaning on a guy to come in and make a play, and he does that. Same thing with Josh Reynolds. He had two big catches, the 22 yarder with the long one, uh, two catches for 39 yards. But to me, that all that's also the confidence that Jared Goff has in everybody on that roster that they can make a play. No doubt. Uh, you know, Emmitt Smith way back in the day said something when he went to Arizona and the media pounced on it. It wasn't the most eloquent, but I kind of understood where he was going. Kind of like football speak, where he said, right. I feel like a diamond amongst trash <laughs> in his new locker room, right? right? Well, at some point, if you move on beyond five, six, seven, eight, ten years, I expect Jared Goff to be the starting quarterback for the L.A. Rams. That's the investment, correct? Yes. So those names on the back of those jerseys at receiver, at the O-line, probably at running back at some point, are going to change. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who's in there with you. You have to make plays as that guy, as a starting quarterback. Look at Brady. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Breeze. Everything around them has changed outside of the quarterback and head coach. Right. 
but the production stays the same. So it should not matter for Jared Goff who's in the game. Yeah, you know, I wanted to revisit some sound that happened before uh, the game against Seattle um, because I thought Jared Goff really put in per, into perspective about where this Rams team is at, and this was before the game. And then you go out and you win the way you did in Seattle. But I just thought that his comments right before the game um, against Seattle, take a listen. Yeah, just continue to prepare one day at a time. I think that's the way our team's built is as a mature team and as a, as a smart team. And I don't think we're getting any bit caught up in anything. I think we understand that each week's a separate week. And I've said this before. I think a lot of people on this team being part of that team two years ago understand how easy it is to be on the other side of it. And you don't ever want to go back there. And um you understand the work that needs to be put in to, to stay where you're at, and um, I think we all understand that. Even that's good. <laughs> that was good. That's very good. That's, that's starting quarterback good. That's leadership. Yeah. That's, and I thought he put in something in perspective that we aren't far removed from that 2016 year where all of these guys that came over from the St. Louis Rams that came to Los Angeles. Yeah, man. And how bad a season that was, 4-12, and 12, and having to go out there each and every week and you know, not put up the numbers that they are offensively now. And you're like, man, we aren't far removed. And I think that's in the back of his mind, a lot of those yeah. players' mind, that, look, we've been at the bottom before, and we're not going back. And I think that's what I see when I see them play with the joy on their faces, especially Ty Gurley and Jerry. We had, back in the day when I was playing, in 1999, we had a two-game losing streak. We lost to uh, Tennessee, and then we lost to Detroit. Right. And I swear, the entire room <laughs> felt the same thing. We're not going back to 4-12. and we're not going back to seven and nine, six and ten. We're not doing that. And it wasn't just a rallying cry. It was a legit fear. That part of the NFL sucks. Being a losing team really stinks. Being a good team is where you want to stay, but it's tough to stay there. So we rallied. We regrouped based on that. So I'm glad that a, a lot of the guys that were here suffered through some bad seasons. So you never forget how it feels right now and then. This will keep you focused on your goals, definitely. Yeah, keeping focus on the goals obviously is the task at hand, and we're starting to see it. But as we get ready to move forward to uh, week number six now in the National Football League, it's still going to be about the wide receiver position for the Rams. Everyone's calling them the new, is it greatest show on turf 2.0? Greatest show on turf, or or surf, I should say. Wow. Uh, that That's that's the new thing here in L.A. The you know what the coolest name in football is? What's that? Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But that wide receiving group, that room led by Coach Yarber, Eric Yarber, look, JB Long had a chance to catch up with Coach Yarber and just kind of discuss that room and the, the outlook of the wide receivers and how important they have been. That interview comes up next. JB Long and Coach Yarber, more Rams All Access here on ESPN LA 710. Uh, we continue on Rams All Access, previewing the game against the Denver Broncos in Week 6. Pleased to have Coach Yarber with us as a guest. Uh, let's start with uh, last week's victory over the Seattle Seahawks and the circumstances you dealt with in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, injuries to both uh, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup. How was your group so prepared to deal with those circumstances? Well, uh, as we always talk about, uh, we tell those guys to prepare like they're starting. Mm. So, and have that mindset. So, uh, if your numbers call, you'll be prepared to go in the game and perform at a high level. Uh, we always talk about it shouldn't be a drop-off, all right? The first team, I mean, the third team should look like the first team. Uh, fundamentally sound, play with great effort, and able to make plays. And and those guys, uh, Kadero Hodge and, and Josh Reynolds, they did a great job coming in and filling in for those guys. And their teammates, uh, Cooper Cup and, and, 
and Brandon Cooks in the locker room were so proud of their their their, their counterparts. It seemed like an extreme example, not just because you lost two in the same game, but because of how consistently your top trio has been on the field. I mean, no team in the NFL has rotated receivers less than the Rams this year because of how dominant that top group is. Uh, so for both uh, Josh and Kadero, uh, that was brand new in 2018, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was brand new because um, they they don't get a lot of reps. I mean, uh, he doesn't... Uh, uh, Josh Reynolds or Cadero, they don't get a lot of reps in practice or in the games, but for them to come in and uh, fill that role well, was tremendous for us. Eric Yarber is our guest on this edition of Rams All Access. I've heard a lot around this facility here at Cal Lutheran about the uh, collective IQ, the football IQ of your wide receiver core. Uh, and in your experience, is this group special in that regard? Uh, they're very, very special in that regard. They um, they prepare like their coaches. I mean, they make conscious, conscientious effort just to know the game plan just as well as the coaches, know what the coaches are trying, what the intent of each play is so that they can execute it at a high level. That must be a coach's dream. It is a coach's dream because <laughs> huh? sometimes back in my career, back in the day, I didn't have guys this smart, and it's, it, it, it's great to have them. Joe Barry making a cameo during this conversation. Thanks, Joe. One thing I really noticed about your group last year and this year is how much they want to compete in the running game. That's not true at all levels of football and all receiving groups. What is it about uh, your system, your approach, and these young men that make them such good blockers in addition to pass catchers? Well, uh, we talk about being complete players, not just a receiver, but uh, a complete football player. So that means competing in the run game, uh, making play, play, plays in the pass game, and more importantly, playing for each other. Play for your teammates. Play for each other's dreams. And um, try to make their dreams come true and your dreams will come true as well. Another way they compete in the running game is on this jet sweep action, which has become a staple of the Rams' offense in 2018. Uh, how did that come to pass, and how much do you think the individuals that you work with like coming in motion and taking the handoff from Jared Goff? Well, uh, Coach McVay has done an uh, uh, excellent job of implementing that into our offense, and those guys, when it's their turn to get the jet sweep, you see a big smile on their face. They they, they love trying to uh, uh, manipulate the end and then get on the perimeter and make yards. And they've all got their chance. I mean, was that by design or do you think uh, one saw the other and said wait, let me get a shot at that? Well, uh, Coach McVeigh uh, treats them as equal opportunity employers. All right, <laughs> he, he makes sure everyone gets a, a, a chance at it because all of them can do it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Coach Cromer talks about, hey, this play doesn't have to be a home run. If we get four yards, if we get four yards or more, it's gravy. Anything after four yards is gravy. So um, those guys are competing to get that four yards, and, and most of the time they're getting ten or more. Sure are. Uh, Coach Yarber, just want to finish on a personal note. Uh, we know you as someone who has roots in Los Angeles, either through your upbringing or most recently as a coach at UCLA before joining uh, the Rams. From that perspective, how much are you able to enjoy personally the resurgence of the NFL and the Los Angeles Rams in Southern California? Oh, I, I love it. I grew up a Rams fans. Uh, I used to go to the Coliseum every weekend, walk up to the Coliseum. I lived t- t- about two miles away from it, and I know all the legends from the past, and it's great to see uh, the Rams back in Los Angeles. Well, you have done a really phenomenal job with this position group, a large part of the Rams' success offensively. Keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, Coach Yarber with us on Rams All Access. More after this. For now, back to you guys in the studio. Yeah. Love him. I love Coach Yarbs. He was the first coach that stood out in McVay's first training camp. The first thing he said 
when they blew the whistle was, if you're walking, you're wrong. <laughs> I love that. I love that, right? Yeah, I love that. That's always. his energy, no if doubt. If you're walking, you're wrong. If you're walking, walking, you're wrong. Yep. <laughs> Thanks to uh, JB and, and, and Coach Yarber for that interview. But the things that, that stuck out in that interview to me, uh, like you mentioned, receivers, your job is to catch the ball. Obviously, the Rams do that well. But it's what else do you do? And I thought the competing in the running game, that it that's not a stat. You know, that doesn't go down in something that people are like, oh, man, they really competed in the run game. But when you watch the film and you look at your teammates and when whether it's Todd Gurley on the sideline after a big run and he's thanking his guys, his wide receiving group, especially because he knows the effort that they put in on the running plays are the same effort that they have to put in into their pass plays. Mm-hmm. But they're blocking people forget that You know, Cooper Cup is a is a very smart football player, not the strongest guy. Same with Robert Woods. But to me, DeMarco, they know how to work angles. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like some wide receivers were pesky. I know guys who I played against. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't the biggest guys, but they knew how, like Heinz Ward wasn't the biggest wide receiver, but they knew how to work angles. People think that a block is where you get the hands on them and you push them back. And no, a block is just getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what people forget. And these receivers do a good job of getting in the way and creating those lanes for Todd. No doubt. Heinz Ward always reminded me of an AL pitcher, an <laughs> AL starting pitcher. Right. I can throw at you, and mm-hmm. I'm not coming up to bat. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So he can blow you up, but you can't hit him. Uh, but no, I I think like Cooper Cup, the only reason he's playing receiver in the National Football League is because of God. If right. he were bigger, he'd probably be a linebacker. Right. If he were taller, he might be a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Correct. He's that good. He is a tremendous football player. So it's not just a guy that's a catch-and-carry guy. A lot of the offense is based on what he's doing, deceiving people, getting to the right guy to block the right guy, helping people block the right people to spring a running game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think all receivers. And Robert Woods, underrated blocker. Um, Very underrated. We used to talk about Sammy Watkins and Sammy Watkins being a bully downfield. Well, Robert, Robert Woods is every bit of that bully. He's not as big. But he stays after you, and if he catches you, he catches you. Uh, and they're feisty, and they all accept their responsibility as receivers and football players, no matter who's getting it. Um, so they're tremendous. I think they're coached well, and um, I, I hope that you'll see all three guys this week in Denver. Because yes. I think you're going to need them. You're going to yes. need all three guys up there. Absolutely. Um, and then the one thing that I get a chance to really bounce this off you as well is that we both play defense in the league. And the one thing that we both know is about the word force. Force is where you as a defensive end or outside linebacker or from your position, someone has to have force. And we say the word force, meaning that your job is to keep the ball from going outside. Mm -hmm. I think, and from what I've seen so far with the Rams, and it's really been fun to really watch and dissect this, what Sean McVay does is he forces the formations to force to have the cornerbacks play force because they're in such tight quarters that you don't, you're not going to put a linebacker outside of two bunch receivers. So what you do is you put the linebacker inside and you put the receivers, um, you put the corner on the outside. And when we see that, that means the corner has force. Well, Sean McVay has so many different plays in which that look all of a sudden the corner who's has, has force. Well, the Rams run a play action, and now Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks, they're off on a nine route, and cornerbacks and got to take off and run. And now that's in the back of their mind. 
So when I see these bunch receivers, okay, uh oh, this guy can take off and run on me. Next thing you know, Cooks and Woods take off and run, and you realize, oh, that was a decoy. And there goes Ty Gurley right behind him taking off. So a lot of the scheme within them running routes also helps out the running game, which I just think is fantastic. You have to be a really good cornerback. I mean, I'm talking well-rounded. Patrick Peterson level type guy yes, yes. to handle what they're going to throw at you out there. And he he did a pretty good job against them, but for the right. most part, you're going to make a mistake. Right. Either you're not going to want to come up and force, you're not going to want to take on one of those linemen coming at you on a screen, or you're going to get caught looking and those receivers are going to be by you. It's right. happened. They've scored 30 points a game. You know what I mean? So right. you have to be a well-rounded corner to be in this to, to defend this football team, I 100% agree with you. And spreading the ball around. Uh, you know, like Jared Goff, you said spreading the ball around. Correct. I'm surprised that more teams don't do that, or maybe they can't do it, because all they're really doing, in my opinion, is hunting and pecking and looking right. for somebody that's going to panic. Oh, you don't like that. Well, we're going to come back to that. Right. Oh, he can't play that route. We're going to come back to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd spread the ball around as much as I could. Well, I think it also, too, uh, spreading the ball around is also keeps everybody active. Um, and that jet sweep or the fly sweep, whatever you want to call it, that Coach Yarber referred to. Yeah. Um, that's where, hey, you don't know when your number is going to be called. And I think that's what keeps those guys moving is that my number can get called at any point, whether it's a jet sweep for four yards, like you mentioned, where people think that that play has to go for 15 or, yards, a big play. No, yeah. you just want to gain yards. Or defensively. Think yes. about that if you're a defensive end. I right. got boot and cut back. Oh, and I got screen too. <laughs> right. Oh, the right. end of round might be coming. So I, you're taking smoke off the rush with all this thinking. So, yeah, you keep everybody on offense involved, but you keep everybody on defense scared to death of not giving up a big play. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be yeah. sound in all phases of the game when you're going against the Rams offense. That's one side. But I think it's time now, DeMarco, to dive into the other side, the defense, and the improvement that we can see them going forward as we get ready for the Denver Broncos this weekend. And, and then also Sean McVay, just talking about the health of certain guys defensively. We can dive into that here. More Rams All Access on ESPN LA 17. Back here on Rams All Access, Kirk Morrison in for J.B. Long alongside Super Bowl champion, as always, DeMarco Farr. And, and DeMarco, look, we've gotten to the offensive side for the most part with the Rams, which people want to talk about because this is a offensive league. But yet, you still got to be able to stop someone. And the Rams defense, they've done that in terms of points, but you start to look at the yards and you start to look at the run defense and the different aspects of the defense that we expected to be a little bit better, but for right now, not as in tune as you would have thought. Okay, I'm with you. I mean, look, the, the goal of every defense is to what? Keep the other team from scoring. Yes? Correct. So in that respect, the defense is doing great. Uh, they're, and look, let me tell you. Yes. It, it sounds like somebody that's, um, complaining about being too rich, but it, <laughs> it, it no, it is, it really is an art to defending a, a, an offense like you have that scores so fast or can score at will because if you're out there for long drives and then you give it back to Jared Goff and they score in two plays, you're right back on the field. You know what I mean? It kind of right. wears you down, wears you out type stuff. But stopping the run, um, I, I'm with Sean McVay. It's, it's little things here or there. It's missing a gap up front or just one guy not doing it right out of 11 and the ball pops, you know, and it looks consistent. So it's not like the Rams are quote unquote soft against the run. 
That's impossible. Not with the tackles you have. Right. You can't be soft up the middle with those two guys. But what you can be is you can make so many mistakes that allows the other team to get out, you know, time and time again versus the run. Those things are correctable. That's just look in the mirror and play better. That's not we have to wait until next year's draft or free agency to get better in the middle. Right. That's just the guys you have having to play better together. Yeah, I think also, too, you had a chance to talk with uh, Coach McVay earlier in the week on the coach's show. And, look, I, I know he's heard the question before, but when you presented to him, this is how he answered it. You know, everybody wants to make a big deal about the run defense, but I think there's a, each play is its own entity. And you got to look at it. What's the reason for it? Is this fixable? Is it something that typically isn't accustomed to doing things that we're doing? And, you know, they had some great individual efforts, a couple of them. You know, the one-third down run that popped out where they were we were in a front structure that, you know, we learned from, too, as coaches. But I think the biggest thing is is that... The players come in, they look at themselves, and they say, what can we do a better job of? We definitely have to do that, and starts, it starts with us as coaches, and then we get it fixed, and, and we move forward. Yeah, right. every yeah, every offensive coordinator has a great call every now and then, which means right. the defensive coordinator had a bad call, so to speak, <laughs> right? But it's it's the same as like a slot machine, right? You know, I mean, you play that thing ninety nine times and you win once, right? You're not really a winner; you just won the one time. You know but, what I mean? So when you see that yeah. one ninety number, though, that yeah, one ninety, yeah. that you know, amount of yards rushing that you give up, and you see a team that has been struggling to run the football, and yet you know Chris Carson and Mike Davis, you know they really ran the ball effectively with those explosive runs. And I give think them the credit. Yes. Give their offensive line credit. I mean, it's they finally have a group they settled on, and they're right. getting better running the football. But I think turnovers and takeaways will do that to you with a running team. If, if you give the ball away against Seattle, they get 10 more rushes right at you. That's their game plan. Maybe even more. You know right. what I'm saying? So it kind of distorts things when you look at it. And now when you look at, you know, for the most part, the different – I guess phases of the game because you have that, that beginning phase where it's like a filling out process. So how are this team, how is this team going to handle our defense? And then you get through that middle period, whether it's the right before halftime, you get the halftime adjustments and it's about how do you finish the game? Where I look at the Rams to me, defensively, there are a, and, and look, you're a, a big time boxing fan. So I, I do kind of compare it to a boxer in the beginning of them. They seem to kind of just fill a team out and it, they, they'll, they're able to withstand the early jabs or the early big blows that are thrown from the opposing team because in the back of their mind, Hey, we're good enough to know that we can make the adjustment. So it looks ugly in the beginning, but yet they seem to know when to turn it on. Or they can. They have yes. the ability to do so. Because when they, when they needed it most, the Rams did. They locked it down. They got the ball back for the offense to win the football game. But, I mean, I mean that's all good. I mean, right. and, and that, that's a recipe for success. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather this defense not wait to get punched in the mouth right. to start being dominant. But I think that's the, the battle cry of every defensive coordinator. Uh, for the most part, I think mostly, especially to that early to mid-season, sometimes defenses get caught flat-footed because you're not sure what they're about to do. You're about to see a bunch of stuff we haven't seen before. And then once you see it, you rep it, you get better at it, just like up in Seattle. I think Sean McVay, too, he realizes that he's seen the way that this defense has stepped up when they needed them most. And 
He talked about the defense in which how they played in those pressure situations. You know, when you just look back, really, with the exception of the Arizona game, our defense has made key points or key stops that were instrumental in us being able to close out and ultimately lead to us winning those football games and those other four. And, you know, they clearly played incredible against Arizona earlier on in week two. But the great teams, uh, and that's what we're striving to be. We are a long way away from being that. But the great teams are great in those pressure situations. And certainly I think our defense has been great in that pressure, in those pressure situations. We talk about the competitive greatness all the time. Being your best when your best is required. Our defense has represented that competitive greatness in a lot of those instances in the fourth quarter. Um, we got to continue to take steps, but through five weeks to be 5-0, and real credit to our players uh, and their ability to execute in crunch time. Great situational defensive team. Not in situations of, oh, backed up, red zone, two-minute, not that situation. When the situation of the game is on the line, this defense has stood tall. And <laughs> no doubt. I, I've done some work in terms of math. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I was going to stop when I left high school and college, but – the Rams in five games, okay, 75 minutes of play, 15-minute quarters and five games, have given up six points in the fourth quarter. Just six. Still have not given up an offensive touchdown or a touchdown period in the fourth quarter throughout the season. So to me, that tells me is that, like to my earlier point, there's a filling out process. Yeah, We make adjustments. But in the fourth quarter, we know how to win. We know how to close it out. And they've shown that they're the, one of the best defense in the NFL when it comes to the fourth quarter. That does make me sad. That's one <laughs> of the things that's died in football. Remember, it used to be mandatory that you hold up four fingers right. when it flipped to the fourth quarter. Put them quarter. fours up. Right. Put them fours up. No one does that anymore, right? right. Yeah, it's a little bit different. But it's, domin- it's a college thing now, college and high school. Thing right. It's, but, but dominating the fourth quarter used to be a part of your goal list right. per game. You know, when the football game was number one, then we want to do this. We want to get X amount of first downs, X amount of takeaways. And also, right at the bottom, win the fourth quarter. Right. No matter what happens. So at least they're doing that. But you're going to have to extend that, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it's only going to get tougher down the stretch. The more film Sean McVay's offense puts out there, the more defensive coordinators will, I wouldn't say have a bead, but they'll have a chance to catch up. So eventually, just like you saw in Seattle, you're going to be caught in these defensive battles, maybe for four quarters, maybe for just a quarter and a half, but you cannot break in those situations Yeah, you at can. all. Yeah, especially when you're going up against a team trying to find a victory, trying to get off the of the schneid, uh, to say, because the Rams traveled to Denver, a place yeah. that I know very well, uh, played in that division for many years, and playing – um, at Mile High Stadium, it's it's a bit of a challenge. Obviously, oxygen and lungs, but when you're playing against a team right now, Broncos two and three, they started off two and zero. Oh, they beat Seattle as well, um, and two and zero. Oh, you're like, oh wow, look at this team, look at what they're doing. Case Keenum at quarterback, they're winning games, and then they've lost the last three. Now the last one that they lost was, uh, you know, to the um the Patrick Mahomes on yeah, Monday yeah. Night Football, we saw what that looked like. Um but for the most part, when you start to look at Denver, what's the first thing that I guess jumps out at you about this football team? Well, if I'm watching defense, Von Miller. Can't yes. keep, can't take my eyes off him. He's so much fun to watch. But offensively, the first thing you notice is Case Keenum. And I swear he's like Ric Flair now. You've seen this match a thousand times. You've seen this whole act a million times. Starts off hot. Then the defense catches up. Then turnovers become a problem. That's where they are now. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 
Case Keenum all of a sudden reverts back to good case facing his old football team. Because I, I saw a different guy in Minnesota. You saw it last year. Last year. I Minnesota mean, game. He, uh, he accepted the challenge against his old team, and he gave it to him. So you're going to get the best Case Keenum has to offer this Sunday. Yeah, I think so, too. You, you mentioned that game last year, Case Keenum, the quarterback mm-hmm. of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, a team that he led all the way to the conference championship game against Philadelphia. Now, we know Philadelphia won that game, but we saw a different Case Keenum we know what he's capable of, and it'll be interesting to see what it looks like Sunday for the Denver Broncos. But I want to dive into this game more as we start to preview the Rams at the Broncos this Sunday. More on that here on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to the last segment here on Rams All Access alongside DeMarco Farr. I am Kirk Morrison in for JB Long, and let's dive right into this game. In terms of the Broncos, Rams, the two and three Denver Broncos taking on the five and oh Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit last segment. What scares you about this team for the most part is that we know the quarterback. We saw him here. He was a starter for these same Los Angeles Rams in 2016 before Jared Goff took off um, as the starter. But when you look at the team as a whole, the Denver Broncos, if you're the Rams, what's the first thing that you have to be aware of going into Mile High Stadium uh, this Sunday? Playing their offense? Yes. They're going to try to run the ball on you. Right. I mean, and if you look at last week's tape, if you look at Seattle's tape, you probably think they have confidence they can. So some of those things we talked about, the fixable problems on defense, getting off blocks, well, they're going to think that you can get position on X. You can get position on Michael Brockers. If we get guys to Mark Barron or Corey Littleton, we can shield them from the football and have success running. So they're you're going to have to talk them out of their running game. Right. And if if it stays true to what they have, you you can get them to go away from the run game completely. Right. They'll just abandon the run game. So You think so? Yeah, if you do your job defensively, if Wade Phillips gets his group ready to go and stops the run early, you may not face the run for the rest of the day. It may be just Case Keenum or whoever they bring in but when if you, he's not having success. But when you hear a coach like Vance Joseph say, hey, we're stripping this thing down, we're we're going to build it back up, we're, we're going to the ground roots, when, when you hear that, does that mean an extra emphasis on a team that right now is leading the NFL in yards per rush and are fourth in rushing overall? Does that mean that this is who they're going to be regardless of trying to make them one-dimensional? Well, I, I like hearing it as the opponent because, I mean, that just uh, it's a sure sign of disarray up there. So, I mean, I hope he's right. I hope everyone in that room is in agreement. We need to strip this thing down and go back to basics. Well, what if the defense says, no, you guys just need to play better on that side. Stop turning the ball over. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we'll see. But at, at some point, everyone has a plan until you're down by 14. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll see what happens after that. I, I want to ask you though. Look, the, this year the Denver Broncos receivers, um, obviously Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, but it seems Emmanuel Sanders has now been the go-to guy. He leads the team with 33 receptions. If you look at the performance of Marcus Peters last week, you know, a little, got a little nosy, keeping his eyes in the backfield, being uh, more so the gambler rather than just playing his position. Do you put him on a side and let him just take Emmanuel Sanders, or you just let? This defense just play. Hey, everyone, you play your side, I play my side. It doesn't matter whether it's Sanders or Thomas that he I, guards. I, th- I think he's earned it. He's earned that leeway from me, from the coaching staff, that, hey, look, you know you need to be better with your eyes. Right. So if you want to draw that assignment, I trust you. Just you have to play it better and you have to play it consistent. Now, 
if you give up another one, if you get caught looking again, then you're opening the door for me to make changes. But if Marcus Peters, this is how much trust they have, if Marcus Peters wants to cover that guy, right. let him. Absolutely <laughs> let him. Just let him do it, huh? Let him do it. Okay. But then, you have to play it consistent, and you have right. to play it right. Right. If you gamble and you miss again, then you're going to force me to make changes, and that's not what they want. Does the cold weather concern you right now the forecast is a high of 29 our possible first snow game in the national football league this year does the weather concern you at all you know what's funny man i mean just take yourself back to when you were 24 25 26 and you're getting ready to play you had so much to worry about right that guy what you had to do the pressure about whatever it's football it's hard right right i mean why would you want to put weather in there it's gonna (laughs) suck either way football is painful enough so sure it's going to be cold it may be snow on the ground but who cares? Go play ball. Right. Yeah, just get some Vaseline, lotion arms up. Just go out do. there and do it. Yeah. This is the league. This ain't high school. You have every piece of equipment known to man plus heaters to right. keep you warm. <laughs> to keep warm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, look, still no status yet on what happens with Cooks and uh, obviously um, Cooper Cup. But if they don't play, still – Full confidence in Kadero Hodge and Josh Reynolds that, yeah. that their offense still can run through them? This is funny, man. Even with the how great these receivers have been playing. Talking about Cooks, Woods, and Cooper Cup. Right. Okay, you put somebody else in there, you might see something different. Something like, wow, I want to see that again. Wow. Because, I mean, look, Josh Reynolds is tall. Yes, he is. Kadero Hodge is a problem after the catch. You you may see something in this offense. Well, I'd like to see a little bit more of that as, if I could. Because it's not the problem that these guys aren't good. They just couldn't get on the field with the three guys ahead of them. Well, now that could change. Right. So I think they're all itching to make plays. And there's plays to be made in this offense. It's crazy to think that Kadero Hodge, his first NFL catch was last week as the rookie from Prairie View got his first catch. And Josh Reynolds, his first two catches of the season, also last week in you know, in relief of the two guys who were injured. But that'll be something that we'll be talking about for sure on the Rams pregame show here on ESPN LA 710. Sunday morning, 10 a.m., myself, Travis Rogers, we will have it for you as we get you set up for kickoff before we hand it off to J.B. Long, Maurice Jones-Drew, and DeMarco Farr here. But you know what? This was fun. I'm glad I get a chance to do a a total, not a total, but the Rams all-access show. Always get a chance to come down and just talk football with you. I appreciate the time, my man. Good stuff, man. Always good talking ball. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. For DeMarco Farr, I am Kirk Morrison. This has been Rams All-Access here on ESPN LA 710.